And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You're like, what the hell? Hey, Mark. Hey, what? Super genius, big fan. It's Ringling Brothers time. DX at 105.9. Dan Kovacic from DKPittsburghSports.com joins me right now. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. The Walnut Grill giving you part of the 5 o'clock hour here of 105.9 The X's Mark Madden show. Mark, off for the next couple of days. I'm in with you. Dayon is in Detroit getting ready for the start of the baseball season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Dayon, have you gotten your mind around let's talk baseball with the Bucks, or are you still focused on what happened with the roster the offseason? <laughs> well... I'm not at, at the spot where I can um, switch over. Actually, it's funny, as you called it, I'm working on my season preview column, and with every passing paragraph, I keep trying to come back to, no, 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 talk about baseball, talk about baseball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's not easy to do, Tim. When people ask you your season prediction, and you say to them, well, look, the roster that they have now, if they kept it together over the course of six months, I could see them being around 500. Okay, but if they're around 500, they're going to blow it up even further. They're going to move Jay Hay. They're going to move David Freeze. They're going to move. You never know whether it's a Marte or a Polanco or whatever it is. If you go into total sell-off mode, at which point now your prediction is completely meaningless. Yeah, you're right about that, and I think that's a forgotten attribute when people do their predictions. We act like this is a roster we're going to see with cost certainty. I should say roster certainty. But because of the cost, they'll get rid of the most costly players unless, for whatever reason, they're twenty games above five hundred. They're just not going to be that. No, no, and 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 that and that's where you start having a really hard time with it. I mean, I didn't even mention Francisco Cervelli. Did you know he's their highest paid player now? Yes, I did know that. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that that's where they are. Um, and with Elias Diaz having a you know really promising spring and everything, you can see him getting moved. Obviously, so. Uh, how do you predict them? I don't know. How do you move on to actual baseball? I don't know. I- I'll tell you this, though. The feeling here in Detroit is that the Tigers are going to stink something special. Okay? This is going to be a really bad baseball team. So the possibility at least exists that the Pirates could open up here, uh, maybe not tomorrow. The weather forecast here is really ominous. Like mm-hmm. They're talking like 100% rain all day, so they might have to go to Friday. But... If they start out well here and build up some kind of momentum and there isn't, you know, protests and everything else at the home opener, I don't know. I, I'm trying, Tim. Is that yeah. what you wanted to hear? No, I, I'm not saying I wanted to hear anything aside from that. Well, you kind of agree with me that it's just hard to talk about actual baseball. It is, man. It's hard. It really is. DKPittsburghSports.com, Dayon Kovacevic on the road as we get ready for the start of the baseball season in Detroit. Well, you just referenced it, Dayon, and let's pick it up from where you did. A bad team in Detroit and maybe trying to take advantage of that. I thought the Penguins would do that last night. They sure as heck didn't. Hopefully the Pirates do better than that. What was that effort from Pittsburgh last night against the Red Wings? Uh, I'm not sure effort's the word I'd want to use there, but I know what you're saying. Um, It was a a lack thereof. You look at the Detroit goals, uh, what the Red Wings did, with Brian Dumoulin standing seven feet away uh, from Luke Lindenning on a rebound, uh, with the entire franchise, Penguins franchise, just watching the play out to Darren Helm on another Detroit goal that was the backbreaker. I mean, they just weren't into it at all. And, you know, I asked Mike Sullivan after the game last night, and boy, by the way, did he take a long time to come out. So he must have had quite the cooling off period. And when he did, uh, and I asked, you know, Mike, what's left to say? Uh, you know, everything's been said, and he 
gave one of those. You've seen it, Tim, because you've asked him questions like that too, where he looks down and he's thinking, here's what I want to say. And then it kind of passes through the filter, and he came back with some stuff about how they need to do a lot better against New Jersey. Yeah, he, the, the, the jawbones, the mandible twitches three times, uh, then he comes up with something. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's more telling, um, which is why we include video on the site for exactly reasons like that. We want people to see what those reactions are. And uh, he, he was furious. And I, you know, we can say that a lot about him because, you know, we see his demeanor on the bench. I think this one was special. I, I think, Tim, that that was their low point of the season, worse than the thing with the Blackhawks or the Lightning or in Winnipeg, uh, because they actually need these points. I mean, if you look at the standings, yeah, this is, th- this they're is, almost as close to the Panthers as they are to the Caps. It's funny because the Panthers have three games in hand, and the way they're playing, you can't rule out all six points in their favor, which would put them one point behind the Penguins, and they're the team that's out of the playoffs. Right, and I don't rule them 100% in. I think part of their problem is that they think that they are automatically going to make it, but I do think, Dayon, though, that the problems exceed that. I I just don't think it's about a... Uh, bad attitude towards the end of the regular season and viewing it as a grind. I, I do think there are tactical issues that they just not may not be able to score around, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I do. And I also think if you want to get specific with it, it's, it's penalty killing right now. I mean, they're good for a power play goal against every night. It's a slam dunk. And, uh, both yesterday morning here and then last night again after the game, I spoke with Carl Hagelin, and he was really passionate about what has to happen in terms of everybody getting back into shot-blocking lanes, making up for Ian Cole being gone. Oli Mata told me the same thing. He said, look, we miss Cole. Uh, we always knew that we would, but at the same time, we're all capable of blocking shots. Uh, that's a big, big part of it in the PK. You know, uh, we, we give probably too much credit, I think, to tactics and breakouts and, and everything else that, that relate uh, and, and clearances when you're shorthanded. Ultimately, it just comes down to making sure that the puck stays out of the middle of the ice. Dale, let's get to Le'Veon Bell's latest contract demands, which are now apparently an average annual value of $17 million, so it could be just like A.B.'s. I can't even figure out anymore what he's asking for, let alone the amount of money. This is nuts. Why does that even matter to him? Well, Tim, you've dealt with him, okay? I've dealt with him, and you know and I know that if we walked up to him right now, just the two of us, and asked him a very similar question, that he could give us a completely different answer. Right. He tries and to give you what you're looking for in an answer. For. And, and, and then, it like, yeah, exactly. A lot of yeah. times it's not born from being a jackass, but the answers nah, come but, off that way because they contradict everything you said before. Like, in this case, last year was about how are the guaranteed monies going to be allocated. Well, that made sense. This this just doesn't make sense. Now nah, that's a beautiful point, actually, because we all know people in life. Those are the the people pleasers, you know, that they'll say whatever it is that the last person they talk to once once they think that's what they want to hear. Right. Um, and so he's talking, you know, with a national reporter, and he, oh man, I could make national news here. Well, here's a dollar figure. It's not like that dollar figure ever came up. You can you, you think that would have ever come up in a serious conversation with the Steelers? Or never mind the concept of equating himself with Antonio Brown. No chance. There's no chance. Unless Le'Veon Bell's agent is a complete idiot, that never gets discussed with anybody. Yeah, and, especially uh, since it's counterintuitive to what the biggest problem was last year where he could have gotten 
a 13.1 million average annual value contract, which was more than what the salary, uh, the uh, franchise tag was at 12.5. And he said no because we didn't know what the how the dollars would be allocated in terms of guarantees. That's an actual logical argument. This just looks like an ego stroke. We're in for one long summer of this crap. And, and it's going to go on, and it's going to take its twists and turns and everything else. I like what Kevin Colbert said this week in Orlando, where he just said, you know what, we're just putting that on the back burner right now. We've got the draft. We've got this and that. We hope Le'Veon comes to camp. If he doesn't, we'll deal with it then. Uh, they can only make the best offer that they can. There's obviously a lot of sentiment uh, in Pittsburgh, maybe even around the football world, that the Steelers have already gone above and beyond in that regard and would be better off using that money elsewhere. I'm not of that mind. I think you'd need Le'Veon Bell to win a Super Bowl. But, man, <laughs> it's kind of... No, I, I've said that the whole way through. I, I don't want to confuse... I'm like you, Dan, here, and insofar as I do not want to confuse the issue of him being too greedy with him not being worth it. Like, uh, I yeah, think he's I mean, worth it as an athlete, but I don't think anybody is worth the price that he's asking for, especially now when you're talking about this $17 million annual average value stuff. Yeah, and I think what has to be understood here, one of the reasons, one of the, the main reasons that I'm so much in favor of the Steelers finding a way to keep him is that you have an older group right now on offense. You have an older quarterback. You have an older and very experienced and smart offensive line. And they know how to block for Le'Veon, who is an unusual runner, to say the least. You know, with those delays and the way he hits holes, uh, never mind all the stuff that he can do additionally out of the backfield. You have, on top of that, a new offensive coordinator coming in and Randy Featner. And, yeah, Mike Tomlin suggested this week that there's going to be you know, a lot of the same playbook and everything else here. But the last thing you want to do on top of all that is to bring in some brand-new conventional running back and say, we're just going to do the running game completely differently this year. No thanks. No chance. Finally, Dayon, no band, no cheerleaders. Same Golden Panthers, but a better rollout <laughs> of the coach, I thought, today from Pitt. How about you? Well, I'll take your word for it, since I obviously wasn't there to ask anybody to come clean this time. But look, I, I like the, I, I love the, I, I love the process that they went into it. I know they did a search firm again, but I know that it was a very basketball specific search firm that Heather like used. Uh, credit to her, credit to Chancellor Mark Nordberg. Uh, not only Patrick did Gallagher. Step up, yeah, sorry, Gallagher. Yeah, geez. Uh, not uh, come clean, Dayon. Who's the real chancellor? <laughs> On top of that, I mean, what they, what they, on top of the commitment that they made to the process, they also very obviously, as we saw, even uh, with the pursuit of Dan Hurley, they stepped up financially. And look, they learned their lesson. They learned it the hard way, unfortunately. But if Pete, if 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 Pitt can fill up the Pete again and make it the best sporting atmosphere in Pittsburgh of any sport, I really believe that when it's packed, uh, this will all be over before long. I think more than anything, Dayon, what that money did, it wasn't so much buying Jeff Capel as it was buying time. In yeah, Jeff Capel, you, you buy time to get this program back on its feet because of his name recognition and the belief in him that I think a lot of the fan base would have as opposed to going out and getting a small conference coach X who happened to pull off a few upsets in the tourney this year. Yeah, it, it opened the field, too. I, I, think, I think it opened their field of potential candidates. And I also think, and don't laugh at this, seriously, I think that it also might have kept some of those current players who were threatening to transfer out, and, and they weren't all terrible, okay? I mean, you watch Jared Wilson frame, you watch Shamil Stevenson, you watch Marcus Carr, 
these guys are, are pretty good basketball players with potential. You don't want to go to zero. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. I buy that 100%. I'm not going to laugh at that because I've seen the schools that okay. are looking at them and want to get them if they transfer. Yeah, exactly. Like, you no, know, I've true. seen Texas and Gonzaga and Xavier and Cincinnati on these lists of schools that are looking at Parker Stevenson and uh, at least Carr. Uh, and, you know, Luther can play. I mean, Jeff Capel even went so far as to point out, yeah, we got killed by Pitt here because there was some kid who was a freshman that went four or five and scored ten points on us on the bench. And he knew who he was talking about. He was sitting right there yeah. in the audience in Luther. So... Yeah, I mean, you keep three or four of those guys, at least you have a base from which you can then backfill the roster. And if you get four wins in conference this year, the prospect exists that you get eight the next year and maybe a sneak in as the last team out of the ACC. No, and that's, well, I'm not going to go that far. I mean, that, that's getting really optimistic. He'd have to have almost like a Keith Dambrot level summer, like what, what happened at Duquesne, to have that kind of transformation. And I don't know that he's going to go heavy on the transfer route. That might be tempting, but it's probably not the best way to build the program. Uh, I don't begrudge Duquesne for doing it, but I'm not sure it's the right way for Pitt. Look, it's a good hire. It really is. Uh, they did really well through the entire process. I thought they conducted themselves well. And ultimately, the best thing you can do when you make a mistake is learn from it and move on. Dayon, thanks. Appreciate the time. Enjoy Detroit the rest of the way, and we'll see you back here for opening day. All right, Tim. Thank you. Dan Kovacevic, again, brought to us by the Walnut Grill from DKPittsburghSports.com. 412-333-9939. We'll come on back, wrap things up. We've found Rob Gronkowski's long-lost other brother. He's not on the Gronk bus, but he plays baseball. We'll tell you who it is and what we mean next on 105.9 The X.